0: If you and your partner struggle to come up with a shared vision of your rich life, if you have different priorities about spending and saving, if you just can't get on the same page financially, I would love to coach you live on stage in your city. It is free of charge. You can apply at iwt.com slash live coaching. I'll see you in Boston and Philly. You know, money doesn't have to be boring. I get a lot of questions of people who have set up their accounts, who have money being saved, and they're like, what now? What's next? How am I supposed to design my rich life? That is why I created the journal. The journal is something you can do either on your own or with a partner. Imagine yourself 15 minutes in the morning, you have a cup of steaming tea, and you're sitting down following the prompts that help you envision what your rich life is. What's your perfect week? What's your perfect month, year? This journal is designed as a no-numbers journal. It's not technical, but it's going to help you understand what you truly value And also what you don't care about. I recommend you pick up a copy of this journal. You can do it solo or with a partner and it will help you design your rich life. Get it at any bookstore
1: now. I don't know that he always listens to me. I mean, I know he doesn't always listen to me. I felt like I ran into a brick wall of no. What did he say? He said, we can't afford that. We can't do that. I mean i felt like someone had popped me like a balloon and i just i got i got angry i mean i just got really upset and and i went to the numbers and it was just like what do you mean we can't afford that like we can afford it no it, it never does he's really stuck in a lot of ways and really stuck playing the same loops in his head and we just play out the same dynamic over and over again. And I try really hard to step out of it. We've talked about separating. We just passed our five-year anniversary, and I would say three and a half of those have been really rocky. It affects our relationship by making me question whether it's the right one.
2: makes me feel frustrated because it feels like, okay, we're so far, like we're doing so well, and yet we're just so far away from, like, you know, the, the, the sky's the limit. I have worked hard to arrive at where we are, and I feel content. My, my gut feeling is to just, like, stay here
0: and, like, be very protective. Has your gut ever led you astray? Yes. I'd like for you to meet Sarah and Charlie. They're both in their 30s. Sarah is originally from the United States, but now they are both living in Mexico City. Now, Sarah wants to live her rich life with Charlie, but Charlie is constantly worried that they will not have enough money. And as we peel the onion today, you're going to discover lots of fascinating layers behind what's really going on. It all starts with Sarah's recent trip to a beach house. Sometimes you discover you're not living your rich life when you have a taste of it, and then you come back to reality.
1: I came back from a friend's bachelorette party. My excitement was like a 20 out of 10. I'm not a beach person and Charlie really loves the beach. And I was like, "How oh, I like, I did this great beach thing. It wasn't a specific proposal. It was just like banter. I felt like I ran into a brick wall of no. What did he say? We can't afford, he, said, he said, we can't afford that. We can't do that. I mean, I felt like someone had popped me like a balloon and I just, I got, I got angry. I mean, I just got really upset and just, and I went to the numbers and it was just like, what do you mean? We can't afford that. Like we can afford it. And did that work? No, it, it never does. <laughs> it never does. Like it, it never does. I felt like I was coming to him with like um something that I thought he was gonna be really excited about because he loves the beach so much and I'm so pale I could burn in the moonlight. And so like going to the beach is not usually on my radar. And so I thought he was going to maybe this time he was gonna match my excitement and I just felt Like I couldn't even, I felt like I couldn't even dream with him without getting shot down.
0: Charlie, what do you remember about that conversation? I
2: remember she came back very excited and she was describing how they rented a house on the beach. And she said like, well, I discovered a way of how I enjoy traveling to the beach. She said like, we now just need to rent a house. What I imagined is us renting a house that was like 90% empty. And I was just paying for like something that's gonna be unused. Like I don't know, like renting an Airbnb that has like five rooms. Uh-huh. It's beautiful. It's like you know, uh, beachfront has a whatever pool. And and I thought like, sure, that's enjoyable. But I'm not gonna enjoy pay for a house that's like almost empty and it's just us. So I said we have, we can't afford that. Is that true? You can't afford a five bedroom house. Well, we can. It just doesn't make sense to me. Mm.
0: But you said we can't afford it.
2: Yes. That's a, a bad financial decision. Like that's like throwing away money.
0: Okay. And by the way, did she say that it was a five bedroom house that she wanted to rent with you?
2: Not specifically. I don't like to throw away money. Like I hate when we throw away food. Uh, I'm, I'm going to remember something like we booked a vacation and we ended up like just a weekend uh, a trip for a weekend and we couldn't end up going and I couldn't cancel the hotel. And that's just an example. I don't even know if that actually happened, but again I think what would that make you feel like? Like disgusted, like mm. it's like you, you what kind of idiot are you? Like to mm. myself. If you throw away food, do you feel the same way? I certainly don't like it. Because we work hard for to have the things we have. I'm going to just speak for myself, but I don't come from a a higher income family. Like it's very well middle class, but I'm certainly doing better than my parents and my family in general. I'm very proud of that, but I'm also very protective of that, I guess.
0: Uh huh. So disgusted is a pretty strong word.
2: Yes. I am harsh, like in the way I judge other people because I'm harsh with how I judge myself.
0: Oh, okay. So you have high expectations for people around you?
2: Yes, and I do have them for myself. Sarah sometimes thinks that um, I don't enforce those high
0: expectations of myself. But please correct me if I'm wrong. Well, that's confusing because it sounds like you are holding very high standards for yourself. Like you're you're verbally beating yourself up.
2: Let, let me put this in hypothetical, if if it was her mistake, I would be very upset. Mm-hmm. And if it was my mistake, of course I would be upset, but like, there's no consequence. And like the consequence that she faces is that I get very upset.
0: Are you compassionate? No. All right. Are you demanding? Yes. Are you generous? Yes. Are you scarcity oriented? Yes. Are you abundant-oriented? I am trying to, but no. Notice the contradictions. He has high standards for others, but not necessarily for himself. They have plenty of money, but Charlie says we can't afford it. And on and on. And it would be natural for anyone listening or watching this to start judging Charlie. Oh my God, why does he do that? That's so dumb. I would encourage you to hold that thought because we all have contradictions with our money. You have contradictions in the way you think about money. I have contradictions, we all do. Some of us are content to ignore these contradictions. A lot of us don't even realize we have them. What I'm most interested in is how Charlie's contradictions are affecting Sarah. If you ever follow me on Instagram, sometimes you'll see me post about my behind the scenes travel experiences. Coffee tours, salsa making classes in Mexico, all kinds of culinary stuff in India. And I'll get a lot of people saying, where do I find that Kyoto notepad maker that you found? And one place you can find that is Viator. In fact, my wife and I used Viator to book a Segway tour where we took a tour of a new city and we had an amazing experience, something we never would have thought of doing on our own. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. And with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everybody. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real travel reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best travel activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. I have a friend of mine who's always cold. She told me she and her partner have totally different temperatures when they sleep. She goes to bed in a flannel pajama. She's got extra blankets. Her partner's running hot. So now she recently started testing the pod cover from 8Sleep, one of our sponsors. Before she goes to sleep, she gets on the app, cranks up the heat, and when she gets into bed at night, it's already warm and waiting for her. The pod cover by 8sleep fits on your bed like a fitted sheet, and it collects information. It has sensors. The pod then uses that information to understand what you need to get better sleep. You can set it to heat up or cool down before you get into bed, and also adjusts while you sleep. And you can set it to change temperatures to gently wake you up in the morning best part there are two zones so if you run hot and your partner runs cold you can each set your side of the bed to exactly how you want it improve the way you sleep by using my link at eightsleep.com slash ramit for two hundred dollars off plus free shipping on their high-tech pod three cover that's eightsleep.com slash ramit e-i-g-h-t sleep.com slash r-a-m-i-t for a better smarter sleep
1: this is not the first time that I've come to him with an idea that's been hit with a hard no. Mm. And then we fight about it. And what I would love is if he then thought about it, of like thought more about interrogating that response or like trying new methods of like, okay, the next time you bring an idea to me, I'm going to take five seconds to like mm. center myself. And then.
2: But if, if it were to happen, it will probably happen exactly the same because it's a gut
0: feeling. Well, I have gut feels a lot. I don't always act on them. Don't you? Sure. What's a gut feel you have that you don't act on? Staying in bed and not go to work.
1: (laughs) That's a great
0: example. Okay. We share that sometimes. Great. (laughs) So you get up. And why do you get up when you don't feel like getting up?
2: Well, there's a... My responsibility, uh, uh, a commitment that I want to honor. Yeah. Anything else? Well, it's also a job, so I get paid. So that's a nice reward as well.
0: You get paid. And if you didn't go in and you kept sleeping in bed for like two weeks straight, what would happen? Well, I
2: would probably get fired.
0: Yeah. All right. So you have a responsibility, you have a commitment, you have an incentive, which is money, and you also have consequences of getting fired. Okay. Do you have any responsibility to Sarah in conversations like this? Yes, I do. What is that responsibility?
2: Well, to 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 engage without whipping my gut feeling, mm. uh, you know, to try and check myself.
0: Do you believe that? Is that something like you kind of should have? Or is that something you deep down believe you have?
2: I think it's in order for to have a functioning relationship, I I need to have. Do you have it? I'm sure I don't.
0: (laughs) Do you have a commitment of any kind with Sarah that you've talked about for these conversations?
2: Well, now we're trying to have more structured conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think before that,
0: like, no, not necessarily. Okay. Do you have an incentive, like, you get paid at work. Do you have an incentive in these conversations with Sarah? Right. Well, the incentive that that we're both happy, I would say yes. And how about the consequence? Do you have any consequences for conversations like this?
2: You, well, yes. The, the consequence of not having them or avoiding them until they well, until we have to have a conversation like this mm-hmm. is typically ends up in a fight mm-hmm. and. Or an argument
0: and obviously I don't like that. And then what? Is there is that the only consequence? So far, yes. Okay. But you know. You know what?
2: So far, yes, but there there's gonna be a point where that's not the only consequence. And obviously I don't wanna reach that point. Okay. That that point would be what? Probably splitting up. Okay. Or, or distancing, splitting
0: hmm. up, etc. Okay, got it. Taking it further down. More no, serious. Right.
1: That means I don't want to blame everything on Charlie. He's really stuck in a lot of ways and really stuck playing the same loops in his head and stuck with a lot of the same dynamics. And we just play out the same dynamic over and over again. And I try really hard to step out of it. We've been in couples counseling for a couple of years. Like we've talked about separating. We've um I would say like are we been we just passed our five year anniversary and I would say three and a half of those have been really rocky. And so it affects our relationship by making me question whether it's the right one.
0: Charlie's a good example that you can be aware of a problem, but awareness is not enough to change it. This happens a lot with cheap people. They will come to me asking for help. They will complain. I wish I could spend more money. How can I do it? But ultimately, they rarely change because deep down, they don't actually think they have a problem. In fact, for a lot of people, they think it's a virtue and there are no real consequences for their behavior culturally, what are the differences in the way both of you see money? Let's start with Sarah.
1: I mean, I think there's like culture, culture and family culture. I'm from the u s. and Charlie's from Mexico. because we grew up in radically different economies. I would say that there's like some things around just like not trusting the economy in Mexico that's that you know that's really different. And then I would say like family culture is really huge. My mom came from like not a crazy wealthy family, but she came from some wealth. And hold on. How much wealth? Um, uh, her great grandfather has a picture in the Smithsonian.
0: Like <laughs> We like, well, what, what does that mean though? Like,
1: like they had like a large custom house on the North shore of Chicago. My grandparents. Sounds Korean like to- a lot of money. They weren't, like, they were multimillionaires, but they were, this wasn't, we're not, like, yeah, they were multimillionaires. We're not, we're
0: not talking Jeff Bezos, just multimillionaires. Okay. All right. Got it.
1: Glad I asked. And I would say, like, but when I was growing up, money, my mom is really bad with money. Money was really insecure. She was involved in um, a really long-term lawsuit that she ended up winning, and we got over a million dollars from. That was gone within five years, basically.
0: What'd she spend it on?
1: We bought a house in the Bay Area, and um, uh, and she what, like. What's the
0: problem they, though? Houses always go up. Uh, everybody <laughs> yeah, always makes you money.
1: Completely convinced me. I'm terrified of homeowners. now. <laughs> but um, she also like played the stock market, and she thought that she and she just she wasn't. She's someone who's like afraid. She literally doesn't open envelopes when they come yeah. to the house. Okay, I get it. Um, and my dad had like a decent amount of money. They got divorced when I was six months old.
0: Okay. Um, Yeah. What did you take away from your childhood with money?
1: I think I took away like two things that one, I really didn't want to be like my mom. Mm -hmm. Meaning Um, what? Meaning that I wanted to have stability and security and like know that what was happening the next year and the next, like, I didn't want to drive around gas station to gas station Mm. for like a three cent savings.
0: So number one was you didn't want to be like your mom. You wanted safety. What was number two?
1: Number two was that I believed I had a fallback. Like I, yeah, that I could count on other people. I was very close with my father's father. Um, I always had backup. And so like when I went to college and there wasn't enough money, my grandpa cut me a check for the rest of it. And I was gifted small amounts of stocks as a kid Uh, growing up. I got us like a very small, I mean, a $30,000 trust fund when I turned 30. Like I knew that was coming. I wasn't worried about, I wasn't worried. I didn't have like deep worry about money.
0: What'd you do with the 30K?
1: Oh, it's in a, it's in an index fund.
0: Wow. Okay. (laughs) Uh, What age did you invest that?
1: Uh, The day after my 30th birthday.
0: No kidding. So you knew the money was coming on this particular day Mm -hmm. and you were ready to go and you dropped it into an index fund. Yeah. What was your thinking there?
1: Um, even though I don't have a good relationship with my father, he is very good with money and I have relied on him for that. And so like, he helped me set up a Roth IRA and, um, maybe a year before that or something. And like he said, if I came up with a thousand dollars, he'd give me a thousand dollars to put in it. And so I already had my Vanguard account and I have a a brother who's one year older than me and he had already done the thing and looked at like, you know, the target retirement funds and the Mm -hmm. VTI and whatever. And he kind of was like, Oh, this is, what I did, like, let's look at this together. So I I knew that was what I was supposed to do.
0: Cool, that's great. Good family upbringing, at least in terms of family culture, educating you around investments, even knowing that investments are real, that it's possible for somebody like you to invest. That's quite savvy. All right, great work. Charlie, I'm curious about you. What do you remember about growing up with money?
2: I remember we always had enough. But never to splurge hmm. my my dad's a, a a physician, a doctor, a GP. Hmm. And for many years, my dad was a sole income earner, and then my mom went back to work, and then they started a business together, but like she primarily does the work on it. Um, then she became the highest earner in the home. so think that changed the dynamic. Oh, it absolutely did. Uh my, my dad obviously resented that. Uh, but it did help me and my brothers I have two brothers uh who went through um private school and private college.
1: Yeah, I mean the resentment is really clear mm. and it's really sad.
2: Mm.
1: But the I mean physicians in Mexico and like, you don't have a specialty, it's really not, it's not like it isn't the U S or other countries where like that really solidly puts you in like middle upper middle class.
2: His income is very variable because like he doesn't, if he doesn't have patience, he doesn't have money. Oh, it's a more of a modest income.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. more
2: middle class. Yes. I that's see. a good clarification.
1: Yeah. From my perspective, Charlie grew up sort of lower middle class and his mom's ambition and her success really like she fought for them to move into the middle middle class and for them you, to have things.
0: When you say that, Obviously, your dad resented your mom becoming the higher earner. Did he say anything that you remember? How do you know he obviously resented it?
2: He never explicitly said that, but he also had the expectation that my mom was still a homemaker Mm -hmm. while also working full-time for the business, which obviously is
0: unrealistic. So Um, that was things like, you know, why isn't dinner ready or something like that? Yeah. Okay. Anything else?
2: well for four stars we lived in an apartment every it seemed like everybody lived in a house mm-hmm. um some kids in high school had cars we didn't like i didn't have a car until the second year of college um things like that like where they went on vacation what kind of clothes they were
0: like where did they go on vacation if they were let's say wealthier
2: um i don't know to ski in colorado or like
0: to europe stuff like that how about you and we usually went uh, within the country And the business started to take off. Give me a sense of what we're talking about here. What changed when your mom started to become a higher earner? What's the scale we're talking about here? And went up by like 10% or 200%? No,
2: probably something between 100
0: to 200%. Okay, I got it. Um, What do you remember changing in your family as your mom's income started to dramatically grow? I think
2: something positive, which is I discovered that my mom ha- was ambitious and like driven and like successful. And, and honestly, I think the, the ambition that I have was like started by looking at, at what she did and
0: how successful she was. That's kind of cool to yes. see your mom in one light. And she sounds like she was a great mom. And then a little bit later in life to see this. Totally different chapter of her emerge. And she's really good at it. What do you think you took away from the lessons that your parents taught you about money from being a young kid to a teenager?
2: Well, the the few explicit conversations that I remember having about money with my dad is credit cards are meant to be used. Like you spend something and then you got to have the same amount of money and you pay it right off. Like you never carry any debt. And and to this day, I live like that. Okay. Uh, so I think that's certainly positive uh, and getting. Was he a good dad? I think he tried, he tried hard. Um, he's a human, he's flawed like everybody. Mm-hmm. But I think as a child, at least, I, I don't have huge resentments. Okay.
0: That's an interesting answer. Well,
2: it's because later on I do.
0: <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. What is happened? Yes, but- a part of that is
2: is that like that he saw that part of my mom too and instead of like accepting and celebrating it he got resentful hmm. while, while obviously at the time also benefit from like you know having
0: higher income um it makes it a little more confusing right it absolutely does he's benefiting from it but
2: resenting it that's unfair um that's Unrealistic. Like he wanted to have uh, his cake and eat it too. Mm. Okay. And so what happened? They're still together. They still um, bicker about money every day. Like what? Um, what? How long
1: have they been married for?
2: Oh, Jesus. Too long. Like a long time, uh, right? Four, 40 years, yes. It's oh. not
1: been a 40 smooth years.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a Catholic country. There's, there's a lot of, <laughs> like, there's still a lot of <laughs> guilt around
1: that.
0: Oh, you don't say. Okay. Yeah. All right. So they bicker about money. If you were to sit down with them and have lunch with them, how many minutes until they would bicker about money in front of you? Five. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Got it. And uh, at this point, is it almost like they thrive off of it? Mm-hmm. It's like a sitcom. I mean, it's the like laugh track. <laughs> without the left track. Wow. Oh,
2: we we literally say it's like George Costanza's parents. Like uh-huh. I don't know if you I know example. exactly
0: what you're referring to. Okay, great. They're like,
2: yeah. Sarah doesn't like when I say this, but like some family members have told me your parents have everything to be happy and they just choose not to be. Which is obviously a simplification.
0: Do you believe that? Yes. Partially. Hmm. Sarah, like why do you like when he says that?
1: No, no, I mean I could think of like a million examples of them. I bickering is a very polite way to put it Um, because I didn't grow up with like two adults in the household. It was like a real, it was a real shock to me to see, you know, as someone who like saw the beauty of divorce, I, I believe that your parents could be a lot happier if they, I I mean, I think that they're, they're in the wrong relationship for their desires. Hmm. Um, So it doesn't, it doesn't like bother me. I just don't think like money and economic success is like the that's, that helps, but it's not, they, I, don't, I don't think they have everything it takes to be happy because they don't have respect for each other.
0: Imagine the effect that Charlie's childhood had on him. He grew up well aware that the people around him made more money than his family. Then his mom started to make more than his dad, which led to resentment. And now they have been fighting for decades. Charlie sees money totally negatively. It's filled with guilt and overwhelm and resentment and envy. I wonder if he's made the connection between his upbringing and how he treats money today. Let's find out. A few years ago, I was at a tea tasting in New York with one of my buddies. I thought it was going to be a normal tea tasting. Suddenly, six people from Japan come in. They pour basically three thimblefuls of tea and we taste it. I've never tasted anything like that. And they tell us, If we were to buy that, just the three thimblefuls, it would be $75. Now, drop for drop, that's the most expensive thing I've ever had to drink. Not all of us have the time or the money to buy that specific tea from that specific mountainside in Japan. But what if you could capture that feeling of the care and the love, even the way that they served it to us? What if you could bring that to your home every morning? Well, I want to introduce you to one of our newest sponsors, Peak Tea. What makes Peak Tea special is that the tea is cold extracted using only wild harvested leaves from 250-year-old tea leaves. That makes the tea rich in minerals and other beneficial compounds. Now, the greatest part is that Peak Tea is zero prep. There's no tea bag that you have to steep for the perfect amount of time. Peak dissolves in cold or hot water in seconds. It's already pre-measured. It's perfectly brewed, and it's perfect to take if you travel. My team's been trying Peak Tea, and they especially love the pu'er green teas. For a limited time, get up to 15% off and a free quiver with 12 tea samples with my link, peaklife.com slash Ramit. That's P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. I I get tons of email every single day, and I wanna give you a behind the scenes look everywhere. Next, I use keyboard shortcuts, unlike you barbarians who literally click and peck through every single email. U to mark it unread, S to star it, J or K to cycle through messages. I use keystrokes to schedule messages, like when I want to ask one of my coworkers a question, but I don't want to send them an email on a Saturday. Now, I can work through dozens of emails in minutes using this. And Superhuman just introduced an AI feature That's superhuman.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. So now turning to both of you. Both of you, the products of the families and the environments and the cultures that you grew up in, you meet, you live now in Mexico, Mm -hmm. and you both are high earners. In fact, you're high earners by US standards. According to the phrase I just heard a couple minutes ago, you have every reason to be happy and you are you you appear to be very happy together but there's this conflict about money charlie what would you say in a sentence or two about what you believe the central conflict is here
2: i i think a, a lot of it is the the difference in vision i have worked hard to have or to to arrive at where we are and i feel content and my my God feeling is to just like stay here and like be very protective.
0: She's more ambitious than you. And that makes you feel what? Maybe insecure
2: or more than more than ambitious. I would say that she's much more confident.
0: Okay. This is not a bad thing,
2: but I'm I'm not.
0: okay, Okay. Okay. Hold on. Before you go off into this whole thing, does this strike you as having any similarities with any couples we've talked about, about 90 seconds ago?
2: yes who my parents
0: make the connection for me
2: um yeah well she she has a vision for for something grander and
0: did your mom have that yes okay and when she put it into place what was your dad's reaction
2: it was it wasn't necessarily welcoming
0: mm. what was it resentful. Have you ever made that connection before? Not necessarily, no. Hmm. Okay. Hearing that, thinking about it for the first time, what does your gut, which is so expressive, what is it telling you right now?
2: It makes me feel very uncomfortable because I obviously have very harsh feelings about how my dad
0: acted. Okay. Do you want to be like your dad? No. No. Sarah, did you ever see this connection before?
1: Oh my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she I mean, She
0: was waiting. Wait, Ramit, please I mean, ask like, me. She was like um, ready to go. I okay. was
1: really, that was my best I could do to hold my time. Yeah, I've, I actually, I would say not infrequently say to Charlie that I feel like he's, I mean, I feel like I've said this in the last two weeks that I feel like you're reenacting a play of your parents' marriage.
0: But it seemed like when I said it to him, he was completely caught off guard.
1: I don't know that he always listens to me. I mean, I know he doesn't always listen to me.
0: The way I'm envisioning it in my head is mom or Sarah pulling ahead, like pulling a sled ahead and dad, or in this case, Charlie trying to resist. I don't want to be pulled along and resisting in very interesting and peculiar ways. It could be resentment, it could be getting jealous, it could simply be saying, we can't afford that, but it might come out in so many peculiar ways. How does this metaphor strike you, Charlie?
2: I see it especially in in the latest, in the last uh, comment of of just like coming from a scarcity viewpoint Mm. of saying like, we shouldn't do this, or that's a waste of money, or or, like, let's not be wasteful. Mm.
0: Sarah, how does this metaphor strike you?
1: I love it. I like, I think it's absolutely accurate. And I think it's because it's like it's all areas of it's money is one of them, but it's like all the things I want to do with money. And it's like, yeah, he's there slamming, like slamming his feet into the snow, saying mm. no. And I'm like, but look at all this beautiful white snow ahead of us. Mm. Look at how fortunate we are. Mm. How lucky Let's stick we with that. are.
0: Stick with that yeah. for a second look at all this beautiful white snow. So you're out a little bit ahead of him and you can see this beautiful white powder. And to you, what does the snow feel like?
1: Oh, it feels like freedom.
0: Two people talking about the same object, but experiencing it completely differently. And their responses are shaped by their experiences in childhood, their views of money, even their feelings in general. Can you think of something that you and your partner have seen but experienced completely differently. I wonder if that would be an interesting topic for you to discuss tonight. All right, let's talk about the day-to-day. So where do what is one area besides this beach house that you both seem to look at differently when it comes to money? Food? Uh, housing expense?
1: We end up being very on the same page with how we want to spend our money. It just kind of takes a lot of fighting to get there. And it takes a lot of like weird negotiation, even though I feel like we kind of want the same things.
2: The thing that I would say is like I I know I I don't think either of us are like into budgets, but like because everything adds up, whenever we do an actual like sum of like the expenses that we have, it feels like holy shit, we're spending a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. You you think you're spending a lot right now? You know I've looked at your spending, right? <laughs> right, like <laughs> your fixed costs right. are like in the thirties. Right. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> What? Look at him. He's not even answering my question. He looks away. Charlie, what the hell are you talking about? Your fixed costs are 34%. I'll pull it up right now. Uh
2: huh. I mean, I have it right here, too. Uh,
0: yeah. well, I'm just, 34%! I'm not, Is that a lot?
2: I'm not used to spending more. Like, like
0: it's, Are you it's, used to making as much as you make? Mm, so, it's
1: my income that's new. I was unemployed for right, a long time. Right. Wow, that's so surprising.
0: Her income went up and there was an inability to adjust. Have I heard this story before? Anybody? Anybody? As a reminder, they live in Mexico City. Let me run through the numbers with you. Sarah's income is 11500 per month gross. Charlie's income is 12000 monthly gross, plus he gets a bonus. Their total annual income, $282,000, plus a bonus. Their assets are $46,000. Their investments are $295,000, and they invest 31% of take-home. Their savings are $43,000. They have zero debt. Their net worth is $384,000, and their fixed costs, as we mentioned, are 34%. So you've got more money than virtually anyone makes in Mexico. You two make a very high income. Do you acknowledge that, Charlie? That you make a lot of money? I do. Mm-hmm. That I didn't do, sound but... like yes. That was <laughs> like, hold on, let me let me try to replay that. Do you acknowledge that you make more than roughly 99% of people in your country? Uh I do, but and then you jumped right to the butt. Well, just give me the because I know just give me the butt because I know you don't believe uh, that you do. Go ahead. Tell me why you don't really make that much but, money. No, I, I
2: statistically know that we are very like extremely well off
0: statistically okay go on tell me now tell me the thing that actually matters (laughs) but my
2: problem is that i don't look at the 99 percent. i look at the rest of the one percent
0: oh wow okay and Uh, and what does that do to you
2: like makes me feel frustrated because it feels like okay we're so far like we're doing so well and yet we're just so far away from like you know the, the, the sky's the limit. Not I don't want to be Jeff Bezos, but
0: you know, finish um, the sentence. But I would like to have more. I have a question: How much is enough? How much is enough to save, Charlie? That that's the
2: point. Like it's it's completely irrational, but like I don't have a number. What do you have? Like the answer is as much as I can.
0: Well, why don't you just um, go back and live with your family and save even more? Why, why do you guys live? Oh, oh Sarah, what does that look on your face? Oh.
1: He lived with his family until he was 27. That's a cultural difference. That's okay, cultural doesn't
0: count, here. Sarah. Don't try to throw uh, that in here.
1: No, that is, that was, that's, come on, come on. Give me some American. Well, picture, I don't know. Like... What? Well, hold on. In India, you know, people live
0: with their parents for a long time. What's the deal over there in Mexico, Charlie? Is that common there? Is the same, yeah All right, I'm not going to count this cultural okay, thing. Fine. That was a nice try, Sarah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> nice fine, try.
1: Okay,
0: Charlie, what, I mean, you want to save more because saving is... What would be the end of that sentence? Saving money is...
2: It's virtues is good. There's also like a lower limit because I, I also want to enjoy my life. I don't, I don't just want to
0: work and save 100%. Tell me about that. What gives you enjoyment as it relates to money? Um...
2: It, it, it quite frankly not having to look at the price of things like, like? When we go when we go out to dinner because it feels like freedom because i that was never the case growing up.
0: okay you and me the same i also love that i love going out to a restaurant i don't even look at the price of the menu i go that looks good and that looks good bring them both yeah. feels amazing still to this day okay so you got that feeling all right i share that sarah you share that feeling too
1: Oh yeah, oh. absolutely. I would say travel is a big one. Um, even though we do look at the price more, like when we're just planning trips, like yeah. it doesn't. We don't. We planned our entire honeymoon around a three Michelin star restaurant, so it doesn't mean whoa. A Which one? way Which one? Osteria Francescana. Where's that? It's in Modena,
0: Italy. Yeah. Oh my God! How cool! And how was the experience? It's
1: amazing. Uh, Fifty out of ten.
0: Look at that! It was visible. The reaction when I asked that question. That was cool. So would you say you're both foodies? Yeah. Yes. When you two are thinking about food, a restaurant, how does money play into that?
2: Like, it it plays out positively because we we have exactly what you described. Like, we just go and, like, we have the, whatever, the duck or the, like, we, we don't thankfully Sarah doesn't drink or not a lot so like she always says she's a cheap date Mm
0: -hmm. thankfully uh, why? thankfully because if she did drink what? things will like dinners will be more expensive
2: (laughs) here in Mexico it's easily double the size of the bill
0: double and how much is a bill for the two of you when you go out to a restaurant give it to me in like US dollars maybe like 100 120 Okay, that's
1: a lot, that's, right? That's on the high end. We like Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. frequently sure. eat for like under $50.
0: Okay, 50 to 100 bucks. And just so out of curiosity, you know, if she were to drink and you guys were to get the bottle or whatever, it would take the check to let's say 220 bucks. Let's just say. What would that do to your finances? Nothing really. Really? Nothing at all, right? Like do you, you make that much in interest? So I'm curious about that word. Thankfully, can you metaphorize <laughs> that for me, Charlie? What were you just doing right there when you said that? Um, Look at me. Aha, uh-huh, aha. Uh-huh. You notice how it comes out in peculiar ways, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Right. It's interesting. Don't think you can hide the way you feel about money. The way you feel about money is going to leak out in hundreds of subtle ways, from a subtle hand gesture to an eye roll to it. unfortunate word choice and living with your family who observes everything you say and do for decades, they're going to know exactly who you are and how you feel about money. You can't hide it. Charlie is fearful and anxious and worried about money. And this leaked out in the most unexpected of places when he said that thankfully, his wife doesn't order drinks when they go out. Why? She's a cheap date. Thankfully, she doesn't order drinks. This is a couple who makes about $300,000 a year living in Mexico City. The solution here is not to ignore your feelings. It is to confront them and to work on your emotions and your money psychology directly. If you feel guilty about spending money, I put together a free guide you can use to start feeling better about money and to stop feeling so guilty spending your money. You can get it at IWT.com slash guilty. And I'll link the guide in the show notes. Let me see if I can interpret this correctly, Charlie. Tell me if I'm getting this right. So it's um, we need to save more because saving is virtuous and saving is good. If we were to go on that vacation, that would be wasteful. And if we if things add up and if we were to keep wasting money, we might end up. zero and that would be tragic am i getting that right so far well
2: uh, 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 i i think you're characterizing well how what i said but now that you say it you see that it doesn't make sense
0: why not because
2: it's, it's not so extreme um like you can do both you can save and also spend.
0: hmm okay uh, remember Charlie what your family says your parents have everything they should be happy for and they choose to be unhappy that's kind of ringing in my ears
2: yeah I I, I think when I said that that Sarah doesn't like
0: when I say that it's because I have said that about us too one of the things I hear Charlie is a lot of feelings I like hearing you express that these are feelings I also hear a lot of the word gut my gut you trust your gut Yes. Why?
2: Mm, because it does help me along with other things to, to
0: get to where we are at. Mm-hmm. Are you more intuitive or are you more quantitative when it comes to making decisions?
2: Definitely more intuitive, I would say.
0: Has your gut ever led you astray?
2: Yes. Like what? Um taking care of myself, I was sick, uh, 29, I got diagnosed with cancer Mm. and I don't know if it was a gut thing, but like, I just, I, like, I had no idea how to handle it. Like, um, because my parents were, or are physicians, like I never really had like proper care Mm. until it was extremely needed. And, and all of that was like, the learning experience at the worst possible time.
0: What's the takeaway from that? I'm trying to understand. The takeaway
2: is like, this is not a gut feeling. I, I don't know why I'm like necessarily lumping them together, but like the impulse to not take care of myself or to prioritize other things like working
0: mm-hmm. or like whatever else mm-hmm. over health mm-hmm. is not a good uh, impulse. Uh, uh, one sec, Sarah. Right now, are there areas of your personal health that you think you should be doing better at? Absolutely. Okay. Like what? I
2: uh, well, uh, the, the I have known for many years that I have have sleep apnea, but only last week I got around getting the study done in order to get whatever um care,
0: whatever machine or treatment, whatever it is. Why? Why um, now? Why? Why last week? I mean,
2: he felt like he was the the lowest hanging fruit, and yeah. the, the one that could have the easiest impact, positive impact in my life. But why,
0: last week, after five plus years, did you decide to do it?
2: Honestly, because I I was like, it's said, it's a very straightforward answer. I as I understood you had to go to a hospital or a clinic and spend the night there. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to, because I have PTSD from staying in the hospital for, for being sick. And, but thankfully I found a place where they actually give you the advice and you can do it at home. So like, but because I never took that first step of
0: actually asking. Yeah. Like, um, I have so many questions right now. The cancer. How are you now?
2: I, I am okay. I, like I'm in remission. I'm not in treatment. I,
0: there's nothing that it affects my day to day life. Fantastic. Okay, I'm glad to hear that. And the Thank apnea. You. It sounds like you got studied. Hopefully, they'll give you something to help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, great. How does it feel having gone for the night? Got the apnea study. How does that feel? It feels like a like a weight off my shoulders. Nice, nice. Did you think about money? When it came to the apnea treatment? Um,
2: Not recently, but I do know that the machines can be expensive. But honestly, I I, 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 I don't care what the price is, but I'm willing to pay for it.
0: Wow. So you don't care what it is, you'll pay anything? Yes. Okay, so can we go back to this beach conversation? Because I'm totally fascinated with it. Mm -hmm. Charlie, after everything we've talked about just now, I want you to zoom out. I want you to take the old Charlie, who's... First gut reaction to Sarah was to say, "What we can't afford it." Like, have
2: you ever heard of the expression of like "killing a fly with a cannon" instead of a her flight sweater? Yeah, I get it. Um, yeah, like it, it's overkill. It, it's overkill. overkill.
0: Like, uh, question: If your um, apnea doctor told you. Um, you need to spend, I don't know, four thousand bucks on some specialty treatment. Would you kill a fly or use the cannonball, nuclear, whatever?
2: I mean, yeah. I mean, in that case, it wouldn't be because like that's the
0: that's what I need. That's what you need. No, oh, but you don't need it. I mean, you've been doing without it for so many years. You're still alive. Right. Charlie just said it took him five years to get his sleep apnea taken care of because he hates hospitals. Now, I understand he's had bad experiences with hospitals. For someone making $300,000 a year, this problem can be solved with one phone call. The doctor could come to their house. Hell, the doctor could come to their beach house while they're on vacation. This is a problem money can solve. But Charlie would have never discovered this. He would have never even thought of it because his restrictive view on money is paralyzed, and terrified of living a worse life by spending too much money, ironically, while holding on to that money and actually living an increasingly worse life with sleep apnea. This is one of the reasons that in my own personal 10 money rules, I say unlimited spending on health. Now, you don't have to have that rule, but I want you to realize that your rich life matters. It's not a joke. It's something to be taken seriously, and it can mean the difference between living and dying. One of my money dials is generosity. For example, I love tipping big. I love buying gifts and experiences for my family. And recently, I bought my parents a subscription to Delete Me, this episode's sponsor. Delete Me is a subscription service that will remove your personal information that's being sold online. If you've ever Googled your name, you'll notice tons of search results with your personal information being shared online. That's not okay. It's not okay for you. It's definitely not okay for your family, including your parents. Now, Delete.me will remove it all. Your name, address, phone number, all of it. It automatically works in the background to scan and delete your personal information from over 30 data brokers, but they'll do custom requests on over 580 data brokers total. The thing is, identity theft is a real issue. An estimated 15 million Americans had their identity stolen in 2021. We've had a number of people on this very show who were victims of identity theft, and often it put them into tens of thousands of dollars of credit card debt, and it ruined their credit. That's why I find Delete Me so valuable. It's a service that I personally use, and I love it. They reviewed over 4,600 listings for me and removed dozens of pieces of personal information. I knew it would be important to protect my parents too, but I also knew that they probably wouldn't sign up themselves. So I just got it for them. So if generosity is one of your money dials, great. If you care about your parents at all, if you have ever given them a hug, just sign them up. You know they aren't going to do it for themselves, but you also know that they probably need it. So if you want to get your personal information and the personal information of your loved ones removed from search results on the web, Go to joindeleteme.com slash for 20% off a plan for you or your entire family. That's joindeleteme.com slash ramit, R-A-M-I-T, for 20% off. Okay, here's the scenario. You go to In-N-Out, you get the meal, the whole thing costs $7. Next month you go... Same meal, same food, same taste, 14 bucks. You go, what the hell? Then the next time, three weeks later, it's 20 bucks, then 50 bucks, then $475. You go, what planet am I on right now? That's what it's like to pay a percentage of your portfolio to a financial advisor. That 1% fee that so many of your parents are paying and don't even know it, sounds like just a little bit, but it's 1% of your portfolio compounded every single year. If you're looking for a financial advisor, there's a better way. It's called a flat fee. Let me tell you how it works. Now, Facet is a service that offers affordable, accessible financial planning through a flat fee membership. With a fee based advisor like Facet, your fee remains the same as your investments grow. So you make more and you keep more. Facet is giving my listeners an exclusive offer. They're gonna waive that $250 enrollment fee for new annual members. And they'll give you $500 into your brokerage account when you invest $5,000 in the first 90 days. If you are looking for a financial advisor, you want to get a second set of eyes on your finances, I would recommend facet.com slash ramit. Again, facet.com slash ramit. Sponsored by Facet. Facet Wealth Inc. Facet is an SEC registered investment advisor headquartered in Baltimore, Maryland. This is not an offer to sell securities or investment, financial, legal, or tax advice. Past performance is not a guarantee of future performance. Terms and conditions apply. What do you think might be a a good way to respond to Sarah, who comes and says, "Oh my God, I had such an amazing experience at this beach house. We got to do that." What would you say? I
2: said, uh, I. I love that you had a good time. Let's look into options for us.
0: Okay. That's definitely better than what you said. I'll give you a round of applause for that one. That feels, <laughs> look at that smile on Sarah's face. Even Charlie. Okay. Okay. what did you just do there, Charlie, when you said that? Well, m- not starting with no. What I might do just to add a slight wrinkle to what you said is I might meet her excitement with a similar level of excitement. So she goes, oh my God. I just had an amazing time with my friends. we got to stay at a beach house like that. You go, wow, that sounds amazing. What was, like, tell me about it. Do you have pictures? Do you think you could meet her at that level? Yes. Awesome. It's not even about saying, let's open up Airbnb and start looking. It's not even about that. Mm -hmm. It's just like, oh my God, this sounds so cool. I didn't even know you liked the beach. And how do you think she would react?
2: positively i mean better (laughs) the way she reacted
1: i would have loved it i mean i would have i would have become even more excited I would have felt like we were like having fun in that moment like that the fun was continuing of my trip into that sharing that experience with you
0: now what i'm not saying is that i want you guys to go out and buy a private jet and only fly. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, I don't even think that's in the realm of possibility, both financially, but even emotionally. Charlie's not about to drop, you know, 75 G's to take a one-way trip. It's not going to happen. I I don't think if I
2: ever had it, I would.
0: I do think that you're playing small. You're playing small and it's actually a tragedy. It's a tragedy for several reasons. One, it's impacting your health. Okay, That's obvious, and that is the most important. Two, it's perpetuating a relationship that you yourself have said you don't want to do. And three, it's causing serious issues in this relationship. You know the craziest thing of all? You actually have the money. like You have more than enough money. So clearly, we all know that this is not simply a spreadsheet issue. Have you two ever talked about what your... Joint rich life vision is? Yes. Okay. What is it?
1: <clears throat> we, well, we joke a lot about when we retire having a goat farm in Portugal.
0: Oh, that sounds cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I, we've never been to Portugal.
0: Oh, nor n- n- that guy. we have raised animals. <laughs> <laughs> it's just um, this like, went from sounding awesome to sounding like hell. All right. No, you guys are. in a,
1: No, no, we'll hire someone to take care oh, of okay. it. Yeah, no, I just I think we've talked about, um, you know, I'm an immigrant to Mexico and I, I have lived in other I've lived in other places more temporarily. I've been in Mexico for 10 years now. Um, and I love the idea of like living in Rome for a year or living like somewhere else for years so we've talked about that.
2: So I, I like the idea of hiring the personal assistant and hiring a cook so we can get more out of our day-to-day lives. Like I feel like that's a something that'll be great for both of us.
1: We've talked about like being more intentional about travel and like me twisting Charlie's arm so he uses all his vacation days. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of Our rich life.
0: Oh, why is it a convincing thing? Is that a normal pattern?
1: Yes. Oh, that's Hmm. 100. It's always the pattern is me convincing him.
0: You go to him. You say, I want to do this. He goes, no, that sounds like too much. And I
1: convince him. And then we go and do it. And he tells me it's like the most amazing thing he's ever done before. And then we repeat the pattern the next time.
0: Is this Costanza-like pattern serving you? No. Hmm, I wonder where you learned this from. Yeah. We can keep this dynamic up. Sarah can keep coming to you, proposing beach houses and flights and restaurants or whatever. And you can keep saying no, and then you end up doing it or, or not. What happens if you keep
2: this up? I mean, there's, there's a lot of, um, like, I want to call it emotional erosion, like a Ooh. lot of stress and bickering and not fighting, but like arguing about things that we don't actually need to argue about. Yeah. And, and,
0: and also probably less enjoyment overall. Yeah, I think so. I mean, with the amount of how hard you two have worked, the physical things that you've gone through, mm-hmm. immigration is not easy. Culturally, you know, ingratiating. There's a lot of stuff that you two have gone through. Uh, therapy, which you continue and I think is amazing. That's awesome. To me, I ask myself, what do I get? What do I get from working hard, from uh, cross cultural, all this stuff? From, you know, what do I get? And if it's not amazing, then what am I doing? Okay. Feels Are you scared good. of running out of money, Charlie? No. No, all right, Sarah. No, no, you're. Not, I know you're not afraid. Are you? Do you feel confident that Charlie means it?
1: Yeah, I do. I, I I do feel confident that he means that. I think for me, what I would love to hear, you know, I think in our relationship, a lot of the problems. Are, Tell him, Charlie. I think, and I said to you. A lot of the problems I think are kind of beautifully captured by the like sledding analogy. And not just around money, but like the sticking the feet in the ground and and wanting to be persuaded.
0: All right. So sometimes if
1: you fall into the normal
0: pattern that you've developed over time, which is what can go wrong, we're going to run out of money, uh, that's too much, that's wasteful. What will the two of you do about that?
2: I would say to myself, don't don't let that don't let that take over as as to what will be the answer, because that is not based on on any rational or or even desire. Like like I want to meet Sarah, um, not at a midpoint. Like I want to be where Sarah is and same channel and same like
0: kind of excitement, and okay. and they'll feel great. Is it possible to change? I think so. If anything, oh my god. We've built the financial side of our household to be so conservative that already we are investing 31%, which is way higher than almost any couple I speak to, okay? Know that. Your fixed costs are lower than almost any couple I've spoken to. You haven't even included a potential $70,000 bonus. Amazing. You two make $300,000 a year living in Mexico City. And you've already saved up hundreds of thousands of dollars in your thirties, and you're going to keep saving. So you've built margin of safety upon margin of safety. My spirit suggestion for you is that you go ahead and start living your rich life today and tomorrow. Uh, What a tragedy to wait for the Portugal goat farm. You know, go there now, go visit, have a good time. Um, you two you two have a very uh, varied and rich life. You love food. You love travel. You love family. Let's go ahead and prioritize that right now. That's the way I see it. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, if I ever hear you arguing about a $500 expense, I'm going to come over there and cause some real trouble. What do you all think about that? You're right. Come on
1: down. We'll take all you right. on a taco tour.
0: <laughs> I spent extra time with Sarah and Charlie. And we got into the very specific details of their rich life. We talked about what they love, food, pedicures, massage, convenience in their life. We added all of these things. We set up a regular schedule for when they would get them. And they still had over $1,000 a month of guilt-free spending. This is how you go from defense to offense with your money. And now I wanna share the follow-ups that they both sent me. Let's start with Sarah. Sarah said, I was surprised by how quickly you saw recurring patterns in our relationship that were playing out in our finances. While I have felt that Charlie was unintentionally reenacting some of the dynamics between his parents, I didn't understand its role in our finances and financial decision-making. Hearing you point that out was incredibly validating for me, and I know it made a lasting impression on him. In our call, I struggled to articulate my vision for a rich life. I had been hyper-focused on maximizing our investments and savings and had been on autopilot with our spending. I loved how you pushed us to make quick decisions about easy ways to spend money on improving our health and quality of life. We spent the weekend talking about how we can implement those decisions ASAP. When we revisited our CSP a few days later, we still hit a few bumps in the road. And at times I felt like I was pulling Charlie along, but I was able to articulate that in a new way that felt like it helped us course correct during the conversation. I was thrilled that Charlie suggested we increase our spending in a number of areas, stood by the decisions we made on the call, and never once said, we can't afford that. That was a major win. During our call, I was caught off guard by your comment that Charlie and I often monologue at each other instead of passing the ball back and forth. That immediately resonated as true and a terrible pattern we are both eager to break. As we revisited our CSP, we both made a more conscious effort to ask each other questions and be more collaborative than we had done the first time around. Well done, Sarah. Charlie, he writes, I knew the subject of my parents' relationship around money was going to come up, but I didn't expect to focus on it so much. I suppose it has had a much larger influence on my behavior than I realized before. I was positively surprised by how well Ramit helped us steer the conversation. I feel like we've had similar conversations in the past with a lot of conflict and not a ton to show for it. For me, the main takeaways were two. First, that my negativity and fearfulness, aka cautiousness, affects my wife and my relationship. And second, that we can lead a grander and richer life than the one we currently have without making giant changes because we're actually well off and in a comfortable position. And that is something to embrace and celebrate. I realized in hindsight that talking about our personal finances makes me uncomfortable in general. No wonder as my parents frequently argued about the subject. While that is something I need to keep working on on my own, I realized that avoiding the subject also leads to a negative outcome. I want to thank Sarah and Charlie. And before you go, I want to remind you that I am going to be answering your questions about this episode on our new weekly newsletter. Use the link in the show notes below so that you can ask your questions anything about this episode and you can sign up for this new newsletter, which I will send you the first issue of this Saturday. Thanks for listening to I Will Teach You To Be Rich. I'm Ramit Sethi.